This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Breaking Pod. Here we are today talking about season four, episode 13, the season finale of season four. It is called Face Off. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the co-founder of this podcast, the founder of many other podcasts, including the entire Vernacular Podcast Network, truly the hostess with the mostest, podcaster extraordinaire, the man with the voice of an angel. Here he is, my co-host, Zach. Zach, how are you? I'm doing well. You forgot to add the man with a face for radio as well in your introduction, Josh. <laughs> Look, um, that was your editorial, not mine. <laughs> no, I'm doing very well. I cannot believe we're already at the end of season four of this. This is, uh, it's crazy. It's been an awesome ride. I'm excited to dive into season five starting next week. We have, there's so much to talk about. And we're, if, now that we're doing two a week, we're approximately, I think we'll have a few production hiccups with some planned uh, vacations and stuff. But we're approximately eight eight weeks away from the end of breaking pot. Yeah. So we have a supersized season five coming up there. 16 episodes. It was originally split eight and eight when it aired on AMC, you know, in 2012 and 2013 or 2013, 2014, whenever they, the finale aired. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into this. We have a big episode to talk about before we get into season five and and then uh, 16 episodes of this podcast left and then probably a wrap up episode and then we're we're done. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I, I mentioned this last uh, episode, but just to remind listeners, this one, the the final episode of season four was originally written as a possible series finale. So if you watch it, you can you can see that it does kind of stand alone. It ends with some question marks. They leave the door open to continue into season five, but it also gives the viewer some degree of closure, I think. You can certainly get that feeling when Jesse and Walter are walking out of the meth lab, having done all the all the cleanup and then lit it on fire. Uh, or when Walt calls Skyler, for example, and says it's over. You can imagine, you know, Fine series ends there, done. And then we always wonder what happened to Heisenberg? Was he able to truly walk away from it, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting knowing that bit of trivia, watching the episode and thinking about ways in which this could could indeed have been a series finale, but also had to be written with an eye to the future and the possibility of a season five. And I think that's that's probably got to be a very challenging thing for the writer's room to deal with. Yeah, they certainly you certainly could, you know, see it see it ending here, but I'm really glad they did a season five. I think that shows that are afforded the opportunity to, to end things the way that they want, uh, tend to have better finales. And, you know, of course we'll talk in depth about season five when we get there, but there's some amazing, amazing set pieces and moments in season five, uh, including one involving a train. That's all I'll say now, but you know, we'll get there. But, but I do think that, you know, this could have, you can see it. You can see it, uh, but it's hard to it's harder to see it when you know what comes after this. Yeah, totally agree. All right, Zach. Well, we'll start this episode as we do every episode these days with our two minute summary from Wikipedia. Then I'll throw it to you for a couple trivia and bloopers and broader thoughts and themes until we move into our best scene, best moment, best writing. You ready for the two minute summary? Let's do it. Here we go. Detectives question Jesse about Brock, but Saul intervenes. Afterwards, Walt, Jesse, and Saul realizes that Gus may be vulnerable via his visits to Hector at the nursing home. Walt visits Hector, who readily agrees to his plan. Walt installs the bomb on Hector's wheelchair so he can get revenge on Gus. Jesse is kidnapped from the hospital and held at gunpoint in the lab, 
forced to cook. When Gus visits to kill Hector, Hector detonates the bomb, killing himself, Gus's bodyguard Tyrus, and Gus himself. Once Gus's death is confirmed, Walt rescues Jesse, and together they destroy the lab. Back at the hospital, Jesse tells Walt that Brock is recovering and that his illness was not caused by ricin, but rather toxic berries from a lily-of-the-valley plant. Still, the two agree that Gus needed to be killed. Skylar calls Walt after seeing news about the nursing home explosion, and he declares to Skylar that, quote, he won. The season ends with a shot of a potted lily-of-the-valley plant in Walt's backyard. That is the end of the two-minute summary, a, a rather long one, but there is a lot going on in this episode. I will point out, it is not factually correct. Skylar does not call Walt after seeing the news. Walt calls Skylar. So, Zach, is that going to give it a, a downgrade for you? It is, yeah. I was leaning towards C+, but now that you just pointed that out, I'm going to downgrade it to uh, to C. It loses, a, uh, it loses the plus on there. I mean, this isn't a terrible summary but it's not great uh there's some awkward phrasing why why do you need to say gus himself (laughs) killing himself gus's bodyguard tyrus and gus himself (laughs) okay that's just poorly written there uh also i mean one of the most dramatic this is and I'll, i'll just i'll just go right there if this is okay but my best moment for this episode is that ending scene where there's no dialogue but simply music at the very, very end, literally the closing shot of the season, and it's the slow pan and zoom in on the lily of the valley plant in Walt's backyard. The obvious implication is that it's Walt who poisoned Brock with the lily of the valley. And uh, and, and the way that this two-minute summary describes that is, the season ends with a shot of a potted lily of the valley plant in Walt's backyard. So it could almost be just like a, uh, you know, kind of like the, those credits at the end of the hangover movies, mm-hmm. like just a still yeah. shot lily of the valley plant. But it's a little <laughs> more dramatic than that. It's a, you know, it's a pan and zoom set to yeah. music, et cetera. It's, it's just much more dramatic. And so, yeah, in, in memoriam, lily of the valley plant, because Walt is clearly going to have to destroy it. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that Jesse doesn't find out. This is getting a little bit ahead as well, but one of my nits to pick for this episode. I mean, I, I love almost everything about the episode. I do have some nits, though. The most flagrant nit. We talk about things, Josh, as parents of young children. If you have a young child, I don't care if the young child is a baby. If you have a young child in your house, why in the world <laughs> do you have a lily of the valley plant in your backyard and what looks to be what could be like conceivably easy reach for a young child to get. Do you have any yeah. idea why that no would be idea. the case? No idea. And not just easy reach, but it's like on a ledge that is prime position for a, a small toddler to pull themselves up. Precisely. Reach reach for the 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 yummy berries and then poison themselves. And now I I mean I, I like to be totally fair, I get that Holly is not old enough to be doing that yet. She's not a toddler. She's definitely still in baby stage. But I mean Think ahead here, people, and just clear yeah. all the poisons out of your house when you have young children. This is not yeah. a hard thing. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I will. I will. I will give this two minute summary a C minus. It's it's strangely written. It, it, you know, there's. I have a problem with the two minute summaries when when it just doesn't quite cover the the gravitas of of what we're seeing on screen. And I know that it's impossible to sort of understand like the 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 craziness of the nursing home explosion, but this is just like, so like mediocre in terms of its description. I will also say that, uh, you know, that you mentioned this, the, your best moment being that we 
have the reveal that that Walt that he probably poisoned Brock. And it was all a manipulation, you know, so that he could get Jesse back on the side. And I wanted to ask you, is this the worst thing that Walt has done? I mean, he's done a lot of bad things, but in your in your opinion, is this the worst thing he's done? Hands down. Yeah, no question at all. For a couple of reasons. I mean, I think the other thing that comes to mind, right, is the death of Jane. Yeah. Uh, but in the case of Jane, Walt is what I would call a passive actor. He was someone who was there, who could have intervened, and who refused to do so. And because he refused to do so, Jane died. In the case of Brock, Brock is only dying, or at least very, very ill, because Walt has chosen to poison him. So that is an act of commission as opposed to an act, in Jane's case, of omission, right? Walt is actively doing something versus choosing to not do something. That's a, There's a moral difference between the two of those things. And then on top of that, I mean, a child. I mean, this is like this is the, the worst you can do, right? To, to harm in any way a child is beyond the pale. So yeah, this is categorically, uh, definitively, the worst thing that Walt has ever done in my mind. What do you think? Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. And I think that to your point that we talked about a couple episodes ago, and I mentioned it in the last episode as well about, you know, Walt finally having made the final turn into Heisenberg. Like, I'm not sure this would have been possible had he not made that turn. But knowing that that he has, you know, fully made the 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 complete transformation into this evil person, you know, I think that that is the only reason he's able to do something so heinous and and really it is it's like when you see brock in the in the hospital room and he's got the, he's on the ventilator and it's like he can't breathe on his own it's like it's 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 hard to see anybody like that i'm sure but a child especially who just a day or two before was playing video games and and just living his life it's terrible i definitely think it's the worst thing yeah, it's it's absolutely horrible, and it's just it's it's amazing. And the reason I love that as the best moment is just because of that reveal, right? We've we've had the suspicion ever since Jesse had the suspicion, but Walt. The first time I was watching this, for sure, right? Walt had me fooled. Like, oh wow, what you were talking about last episode when we were discussing yeah. that, and you were talking yeah, about yeah. Walt's acting performance and how it's like he's either you know Brian Cranston is either a really good actor playing a truthful Walt or Walt right. Brian Cranston is a really good actor playing a really good actor Walt who's right. acting right and so um and so he fooled me the first time I watched the show I was like oh it couldn't have been Walt it must have been Gus wow that that Gus is a really crafty guy and even yeah. in that we didn't talk about this but in that dialogue last episode Walt says think about it Jesse Gus has been 10 steps ahead of me the whole time right and it's actually yeah. Walt who's 10 steps ahead of Gus this time Right. Um, and also 10 steps ahead of Jesse, which right, I think yeah. is even more telling yeah. of their relationship. And also, you know, Walt in the last episode points out, oh, you know, Gus has used children before. And, you know, Andrea's brother was the one who had been uh, used as a as a street dealer. And then, oh, that's killed. right. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot and, about that. and so I think that Walt knew exactly what he was playing on there, which it just makes everything even worse. So, yeah, definitely uh, evil Walt is is here and he's here to stay, I'm afraid. Yeah, so true. Um, should we do some trivia and bloopers real quick and then we can uh, dive into some other stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had another uh, piece of trivia for us? Yeah, so I already mentioned the this was the you know possible series finale when it was written. Um, but the other kind of more fun piece of trivia is that uh, when, when Walt calls his neighbor, Rebecca, Rebecca Simmons, to go turn off his stove, it's, it's all a ploy to find out if there's, you know, 
Gus's henchmen in his house, etc. But when he does that, the the lady comes out and goes into his house. That woman who's playing Rebecca Simmons is actually Vince Gilligan's mom in real life. So I just I love the I love the Vince Gilligan mom cameo. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, um, that's 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 pretty great. Can I also just say that that's one of my nits to pick in this episode? Yeah, is that he calls Rebecca to go over there. And the last we saw of his house, it was a complete mess. He had like used all the furniture to push up against the windows. And as far as we know, he never cleaned it up. So he then sends his neighbor in to check the stove. Oh, by the way, we also saw him in the last episode making a bomb. And you know, he didn't spend time like cleaning up all of his bomb materials because why would he? His sole goal was to get to Gus as soon as possible. And then sweet old Rebecca is on over there checking the the stove and like isn't she gonna see that you know like oh what is this that you're making and why is there furniture pushed up against the doors and windows very good point i had thought of exactly none of that uh (laughs) but now that you mention it that is a pretty big hole (laughs) yeah yeah great knit great uh yeah great selection there all right zach you had you had a, a couple just thoughts on the music in the episode i wanted to give you a chance to just talk a little bit about it yeah thank you so uh, i mentioned this last episode i think when we talked about this uh previously but the final three episodes here i don't know what was going on with his directorial decisions or or what but the music comes through very prominently in some of these key scenes um in a way that you, that we're not totally used to in breaking bad um and i think a couple of them are worth mentioning here just because Quite frankly, they're just good songs and they they drive a really good sort of uh, atmosphere for some of these scenes. So the first song um, that struck me in this this episode is some uh, just some freestyling by a group called the Talby Brothers uh, picking at their guitars. And this is when uh, Jesse and Walt are cleaning up their lab. some really fun vibes there um and and i don't know there's there's an element there this is obviously after gus's death there's an element there as a viewer where i'm just watching gus and jesse clean up the lab and i'm just like oh all's right in the world and just like these two talby brothers are just kind of freestyling and jamming with each other that's kind of the vibe i get from walt and jesse they're both doing their thing working together but independently uh, cleaning up the lab and getting ready to sabotage it with fire and everything. And it's, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a, a cool scene, uh, which is not to say that they're doing anything good, but there's, you know, I think some of the, some of the, I mean, we talked a few episodes ago about how, you know, sometimes, sometimes Gus is sort of precision as his, in his villain role is kind of attractive. Right. And in the same way, you know, when Walt and Jesse are working together and, and doing things well, it's, that's also kind of attractive. Um, the other piece of music that I wanted to play is, uh, from the very end, when when the camera is zooming in on the Lily of the Valley plant, this is Black by Danger Mouse, and it's also a very good selection. So some some really good music in this episode that I think uh, complements the storyline uh, quite well uh, in a way that I'm not totally used to uh, Breaking Bad doing. So, yeah, I, I think one of the one of the things that I think most often we think about, 
you know, music in, you know, when we think about what its purpose is in a TV show or movie, we think about how does it, how does it help the emotion? How does it help sort of drive home the themes of what we're seeing? But I think one of the underreported uh, benefits of good music is helping the pacing of the show. And, and it's certainly, you know, in, especially in the scene that you talked about with, with Jesse and Walt cleaning up the line and ultimately setting it on fire, that, that really, and, and you also see this at the beginning of the episode too, with whatever instrumental music is there, it just helps the pace move along and, and you're sort of wrapped up in what's going on as opposed to just feeling something, which is also important. But, um, but I think that pacing can also be helped immensely by the, the choice of music. All right, Zach, uh, anything else on broader thoughts and themes before we move on to our best scene, best moment, best writing? No, let's dive in. All right. Well, let's do with uh, best scene and we'll start with yours because yours sort of leads into to mine. I think that you mentioned uh, to me that your your best scene is probably something different than what you chose, but but we'll just talk about what you chose first. Yeah, sounds good. So I think you I mean there are two scenes here that really jump out at me. Uh, one is the is your selection for best writing actually that we'll talk about. The other is what I've already talked about with my best moment, just that ending scene in Lily of the Valley. So, in the interest of just being original and choosing neither of those, I'm going to say that uh, my favorite scene was the scene with uh, Hector in the DEA offices, where he like leads them along and says like I've got valuable information, and he brings them in, and and they're uh, doing his little uh, his little you know letter board to figure out what he's saying, and he's basically saying uh, suck my you know what and f you et cetera, and it's just it's it's hilarious. Uh, and I just really like that scene it, cause, yeah, because yeah, because it like as you're watching it, especially first time, you're like, oh, like what's he going to reveal to the DEA? This is this is the famous actor who in season two wouldn't even talk to the police, and in fact, you know, shadow over their <laughs> interrogation room. <laughs> like, what's he going to say now? And actually, he just did that to get back at them and and tell profanities at them. I mean, it's just, it's just funny. Yeah, and I think that I love um, Hank's reaction, which is like, all right, we get we get. It. We get it. Yeah, exactly. We don't need to see anymore. <laughs> you say, well, uh, yeah, yeah, we can spell. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that it does. You know, it, it is a funny scene and it's sort of like a much needed sort of lighthearted moment, you know, in this in this episode. But I think it does serve a narrative purpose in that it not only accomplishes something, which is it ultimately propels Gus to be suspicious of of Hector, which I think is Walt's plan. But it also provides a little bit of closure for Hector as a character because he knows that he's going to go forward with this sort of suicide mission, I guess, for for lack of a better term. By I the mean, way, the he, like he's literally going out, you know, throwing his middle finger to the <laughs> DEA and yeah. killing his arch rival. I mean, that for yeah. a for a for a cartel, a hardened, wizened cartel warrior, that is the way to go out, I guess. Right. That's the way to go. out. Yeah. Also, uh, we didn't really talk about this in the two minute summary, but it doesn't even really the the first we hear you know is that walt visits Hector, who readily agrees to his plan what plan i don't know it's just it's not yeah, there's no point. modifier to to the plan all right i anyway, give it I, I change it to a d plus that's my grade for it <laughs> it's going down 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 um well that sort of leads into my best scene and it's, it's just the most memorable scene i think in one of the most memorable scenes in the entire series but it's the scene where gus visits Hector, and and i think that as we mentioned, it's because he's suspicious of of you know what he might have told the DEA, and his plan is to inject him with some sort of a 
I don't know, poison or something to, to kill him. Uh, probably no trace. And instead, you know, Walt and Hector have other plans. And we're going to hear a little bit of that, that uh, scene right here. Is that how you want to be remembered? Last chance to look at me, Hector. Okay, so there's so many things about this that I that I really like. The first is that when you first watch this, I, at least the first time I watched it, I did not know what was going on. Like I did not understand why his bell wasn't working. I didn't under I didn't put two and two together that he hadn't looked at him in a long time. I mean, I think upon a rewatch, you you sort of realize that that the eye contact thing is a bigger deal than than perhaps we you know you would realize on a first watch. The other thing about it too is that immediately following the explosion, which I think is a you know, I've not witnessed many explosions, but it seems pretty realistic. It sort of like blows the door off and leaves a smoky residue behind. You know, Gus wa- walks out of the door and you're like, oh my gosh, he, and I don't know if this is possible or not. Like, would he really be able to survive this? But he does walk out of the door and you, the way that it's shot is that you only see him from the side that looks to be okay. But then the camera sort of pans around and you see that half of his face is gone and then he collapses to the ground. It's sort of like two face in in Batman, you know, we've had a lot of Batman references on (laughs) this podcast recently, but yeah, it's sort of like half of his face is missing and he dies. Um, It's just, it's just one of those scenes that the, you know, watching that, that image of, of Gus fixing his tie, like with a half blown off face is just an image that will be, stuck in my mind, not, not in a bad way. It's not like haunting me, but it's just like one of those memorable images from the show that if you were to ask someone, you know, what's something that you remember, that might be one of the things they say. Yeah. So I kind of have a dissenting opinion on this scene actually. And, and as we've talked about this episode a little bit more, I'm, I'm reversing my comment from last episode's discussion. When I said that I liked this one more than that one, I actually think that I, now like end times more than face off and 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 one of the reasons is this scene actually welcome zach welcome <laughs> thank you uh one of the reasons is the scene in fact by the way um face off um has a dual meaning here right because it's a face off between gus and walt and also uh literally gus's face, face comes off. off yeah um in this scene but that's one of the nits i have for this scene and i'll just talk about some of my nits here because they relate directly to this scene but I hear what you're saying about the eye contact. I think that's the most powerful part of this scene. But on the flip side, there's some other things that I don't I don't like and just really can't appreciate. One, Tyrus does the thorough room check, right, to make sure everything's safe. That bomb is not well hidden on the wheelchair. It would not it would not be um, you know, very difficult for Tyrus to find that in his routine search of everything else in the room. A uh, second there's a, there's a, you know, for, for in terms of intervening, there's a significant length of time when Gus realize what's, realizes what's going on. And all he has to do is stop Hector's weak finger from <laughs> chiming his bell, right? But instead, Gus decides to, like, stand up and yell, which just doesn't make sense to me. And then, and then most egregiously to me is that two-face scene. Now, I mean, it sounds like you like that a lot more than I do. 
the first time I watched it, I was just confused. And I was like, wait, why is Gus walking out? That looked like a pretty big explosion. And then I see his face and I'm like, what? And then he collapses. Another bit of trivia from this from this episode related to the scene that I discovered is that uh, the team from uh, the makeup team from The Walking Dead actually helped to do this scene to get Gus's yeah, face just cool. right. And of course, The Walking Dead is an AMC show, so it makes sense. They're two AMC shows. Um, but it, it just looks it looks almost cartoonish. I mean, it looks like something you would see on The Walking Dead or Zombieland. Um, and, and it's not it's not clear to me uh, from like a pyrotechnic standpoint how in the world that would happen where just like the top layer of his face comes off and he simultaneously dies, but is also able to like maintain significant motor function for the, you know, 10 seconds after the blast. Um, and the two face thing is a little bit too on the nose. I, like I, 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 I think I totally get what they're trying to do. We see Gus put together, adjusting his tie, classic precision, the camera pans. And now we see the true Gus laid bare for all the world to see you know, the flesh on his, you know, one half of his entire face is off, very similar to Two-Face, like you mentioned, and then he collapses, right? And so like, I, I think I, I think I see what they're trying to do, but f- for me, it's just too on the nose. It felt a little bit too Batman to me, uh, more Batman than Breaking Bad, and to me, that's a problem. Okay, so I have a couple of responses to your... Let's see if I can convince you of, of some of your, your issues here. The first one is Tyrus sweeping the room. And that was your first one, I think. So I think, yes, it's not very well hit. Now there are two things here. One is that Walt during Tyrus's sweep is waiting outside. He's, uh, he's waiting outside the, the window and it's possible. We're not really sure exactly of the timeline, but I believe Tyrus goes back to the car to call Gus. So it's possible that Walt waits to install the bomb until after maybe I don't know timing wise if that would work out the other thing about this Tyrus sweep is that Tyrus is looking for something very specific so he's he's sweeping the room for wires he's sweeping the room to see if they if the DEA has sort of um, you know put a wire on Ector and is hoping that Gus will will reveal something and then ultimately they'll be able to come to arrest him so he's not looking for a bomb per se I think that's also why Walt removes the remote detonator because he could have been the one to blow blow them all up. Like he could have been a distance away and blown them up, but he probably realizes that there may be a suite for some electronics. And it's one of those things where it's like, all right, if something's hidden in plain sight, sometimes you just miss it. Those are kind of my, that's kind of my response to that. I think you're right about the, the weak finger thing. I will say though, I, I'm not sure he makes a complete realization until it's too late. And it's almost like the very last minute. And I think his his reaction is like one of that the very simple like fight or flight. He chooses to to flee. And so I think that's ultimately leads into he realizes at the very last moment, we cut away from the inside of the room. There's like a two-second pause until the explosion happens. It's plausible that Gus could have moved away enough from the blast that it doesn't completely engulf him like it does uh, Ector and Tyrus. Poor Tyrus. He doesn't even get any final words. Yeah, he's so, toast for sure. <laughs> he's toast for sure. And and then with regards to like, is Gus able to walk out? Now, I don't know the the medical possibility behind this, but I do know that, you know, there are animals that are decapitated so, who was, can possibly... <laughs> 
you know, still have some function for a moment. It's so funny you say that because they... I was thinking it's kind of like a chicken with its head cut off. You know, yeah. it just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, there's Gus running around despite the fact that he only has half a face. <laughs> and I think ultimately, yeah, I think ultimately what it is is that they wanted this big reveal and it is a right. cool, interesting reveal and it does sort of, it's like maybe too on the nose, but it's like a big visual moment. So that's probably ultimately what it was, but I don't know, did I convince you at all it, with any of my things no I, I mean i think i think points one and two sure i i think and, and then it just comes down to like a, a subjective <laughs> sort of aesthetic yeah, yeah, yeah. preference. do you like the thing. two-face or no yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like it i don't like it. i mean so yeah. i i think and the thing is like i think it would have been possible actually to do that differently right like i can imagine a scenario in which gus is lying there dead and yeah. he actually looks pretty put together and almost like he's he's sleeping, but he you know, his his jacket right, right. probably still looks pretty good and stuff. And then, you know, first responder like rolls him over and the you know, the one side of his face is like destroyed and caved in sure, or whatever, yeah. right? Like I think there's there's maybe a better way to do that that doesn't involve him like walking out and then looking like two face and adjusting his tie <laughs> and kind of cracking his neck almost kind of thing and then and then dying. I mean, it's just kind of a little weird. But can I can I uh, now that we're talking about the tie adjustment. I have one little broader thoughts and themes I wanted to bring up. See if you caught this as well. So when, when Gus is with Hector, he's wearing a real tie. When he's at Los Poyos Hermanos, when he takes off his uniform to put on something else, he takes off a clip on tie. And what I thought was when I watched this is that the clip on tie on the outside, it looks like it looks a certain way. It looks like a real tie. It looks like a, a you're a stand up person, but ultimately it's fake. So when you take it off, you can sort of reveal the fakeness. So is there something thematically here where Gus wears, you know, in his daily life, he wears clothing that ultimately is like a costume for him because ultimately underneath he's this drug kingpin. And when he goes to see Hector, he puts on his real suit, the his real, real thing, tie. Yeah. And, and that is his true person. No, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, uh, also probably true that the official uniform of Los Poyos Romanos and just involves a clip-on tie. <laughs> a clip-on tie? That's fair, too. That's fair, too. This is why people come to this podcast, for the hard-hitting clip-on tie analysis. Hey, we, no no topic is, is uh, too off-limits for us. Well, let's move on to my best moment, because you already mentioned your your best moment, which was the the very ending scene yeah. with the Lily of the Valley. Mine is just a really funny moment, but Walt ultimately does get into his house after he gets Rebecca to... Uh, check the stove, uh, see if it's clear of bomb making materials. And he has to escape from the house because the Gus's Gus's henchmen who we've never seen before this episode, you know, they are back in the house and they, they're going to catch Walt. So Walt's on the crawl space. He, he goes out the back, uh, you know, like, uh, what are those windows called? Those are like uh, little drainage windows sort of. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like a, it's a vent of some sort, right? From the yeah, crawl yeah, space. Yeah. yeah. I don't even yeah, know what to so call he, it. He gets outside and he ultimately has to jump over the the wall. And I love this moment because it's so uncoordinated, which just reminds the audience. It's a very small way to remind the audience that while he is an evil person, while he has a lot of, you know, capable things about him in terms of his intelligence and sort of his, his uh, you know, problem solving skills, uh, being a traditional villain or hero, it, he is not. He is very uncoordinated. He's still a, you know, 51 year old person who flops, flops over the wall. And it's just sort of like this, this like, uh, like dead fish flop over the wall, which I just thought was really humorous. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that on the watch, but uh, you're right. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to best writing. We both have the the same best writing scene, and I'll I'll let you set this one up, Zach. Yeah. As well. How about how about we just play it, and then we'll talk about it. So yeah. here's the conversation between Skyler and Walter. At least part of it. It's a lo- it's a longer conversation than I snip, but here's the sort of essence of it. How are you doing? How am I doing? How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing quite well. <sighs> I'm good. Jesus, Walt, the news here. Gus Fring is dead. He was blown up along with some person from some Mexican cartel, and the DEA has no idea what to make of it. Do you know about this? Walt, I need you to... It's over. We're safe. Was this you? What happened? I won. And that's where it ends. I won. Yeah, you know, for me, this is this is my favorite writing in the episode because of that word choice specifically. And it's just such an interesting way to describe murdering three people poisoning a child, manipulating uh, someone who looks up to you as a father figure and ultimately I guess saving your family's life for the time being but you know putting them through through hell and back and it's just such an interesting and totally plausible way for Walt to describe this. That's a good point, but even even on your your point about you know like maybe I guess let's acknowledge he saved his family, he doesn't tell Skyler we won, which I think is really interesting, right? It's I won. We won would imply to me, like Skyler and nowhere in this together. We've we've had to make hard choices for our family. I got us into a mess, but then we were stuck, and this person was threatening our family, etc. We won. Now we can get back to being our family. But no, it's I won, which to me says something very, very different. That says, as the episode title would imply, this was a face-off. This was a challenge to Walt's ego, to Walt's dominance, and Walt had to win this one personally as Heisenberg. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. It's just sort of like this really callous way of, of putting it. And, you know, it's it's like it's not a game. I mean, it's like I mean, ultimately, it's just a TV show. But like the characters, it's not a game. It's not it's not like, oh, I, we won the game. It's you know, it's over. Everything's good. It's like these are people's lives you're talking about. This is like it's just just a, such an interesting way for him to describe it and i think it just goes it further just shows the kind of character and the kind of person that walt has become and i i go back to this point that i made i don't remember however many episodes ago but you know there's this immediate gratification to accomplishing something you know in in this case it's pretty evil but what is he going to feel like you know, in 10 minutes, in an hour, in the next day, like it's got to be this feeling of hollowness, especially because there's nothing, you know, graceful about this. There's nothing redeeming about what he's done. Ultimately, it was all about his ego and and how he feels about these things. Yeah, I, I like it when uh, when Scotters asks him, you know, how are you doing? He's like, I'm doing quite well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. It's again, it's like it's like that. It's like that Joker esque like. That's such a weird way to describe feeling like, I mean, like I'm feeling relieved yeah. would be a, a normal way to right. to describe being out of danger. But really it's like, I won. 
And it's just such an apt description. Yep. Zach, anything else on best writing in this scene, in in this episode? Nope, that's it for me. One other little uh, piece of trivia that I wanted to point out was the the actor Mark Margulies, who plays Hector. He will, of course, go out here without a single MVP vote to his name. But he he was nominated for an Emmy for for this show. I don't know if it was for this episode in particular, but he was a guest actor uh, nominee. And I also wanted to point out just just uh, I believe it was uh, this season or it could have been the, the previous season. I will point out that uh, my wife and I are watching The Good Wife. I don't know if you ever watch that show. I have seen The Good Wife, actually. It's, it's yeah, it gets a little bit soapy at the end, but it's it's, yeah. it's a fun show. But there is an episode where Mark Margulies appears and he appears as a priest. Wow. And so I, I don't remember just, that. We literally just watched that episode tonight before we recorded this this episode. And he plays Father Jim. And also that actor has no accent. He's he has no uh, Spanish accent. So he really does uh, play Hector Salamanca pretty well. Well, he does. He also doesn't have an accent in this episode. I'll point out. That's fair. That's fair. But we do hear him. We <laughs> no, do hear sure. him speak before. Yeah, yeah. Earlier when we have the flashback to the to the villa in Mexico, he definitely yeah. does. And we don't know uh, his bell doesn't have an accent, I guess. I, I do have I talked about my nits already. I have one more nit to pick, which is just that, you know, Saul Goodman's a very smart and crafty lawyer. But in his conversation with Walt in this episode, he is a complete moron. You know, he he casually mentions that I guess Gus mentions or Gus visits this nursing home, and uh, and Walt's like, "He was a nursing home. How does that help us?" And then Saul's like, "Yeah, and I guess he doesn't even like this guy. They're sworn enemies." So it's like how so the fact that he visits the nursing home and he you know he and the guy in the nursing home hate each other's guts like that's not a relevant thing to Saul and it just takes Saul a long time to pick up the trail of where where uh Waltz is going with this and uh I just found that a little bit out of character for Saul Goodman I just have two nits to pick here one is worse than the others the 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 more egregious one is that the the cop interrogation scene those two actors I don't know if they're they were doing it on purpose or what but they're so over the top and I just can't, I, I understand that if you're trying to coerce someone into saying something, you might be over the top and be a little good cop, bad cop. But it's just like in a show like this where everything else is top notch to have like two bit characters come in. And one of the guys is definitely recognizable. I've seen him in other things, no idea who he is. Uh, but it is just like, gosh, get these guys off my screen. Yeah, like, give agree. me back to, to what I want to see. The other nit to pick is not necessarily a nit to pick, but maybe an unanswerable question. And I guess well, it'll be answered in season five because I know he appears. But where the heck is Mike? Is he still in Mexico recovering? Like, is he going to be stuck there now that, yeah, right. now that Gus is is uh, is all blown to pieces? Like, I mean, the we, timeline's all pretty condensed over the past few episodes. But when they left him there, I think it was he was there going to be there for a, a week or so week, yeah. while he recovered. Right. So, yeah, I guess he is still down there. We'll yeah, see him well, soon. We'll see him soon. I mean, soon, yeah. obviously, Tyrus will not be able to fulfill his duties anymore. So that's right. Tyrus has uh, been retired. Yes. All right, Zach. That only leaves MVP for this episode. And then we'll give a recap on our, our MVP tally as we move into season five, the final season of Breaking Bad. You know, I would I, I say I would say I would love to give it to, or I will say I would love to give it to Gus, but I can't. I don't know. I just I have too many uh, too many hangups on that scene that we talked about. So I am going to give it to Walt here, uh, primarily for the closing dialogue in which, as we heard, he says, "I won." So for me, Walt gets an MVP vote for this episode. 
Well, I might surprise you here because I am going to give it to Marie for her scathing wow. conversation on the phone. No, wow, I nailed it. it. I will not. I will not give it to Marie. Her her scene on the phone, her and Walt Jr. paired together. Yeah, that not scene great. could have been cut not as great. well. Yeah, I will also give it to Walt, uh, which is 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 a good uh, it brings us to a good place because that leaves Walt and Jesse tied atop our MVP rankings with twenty four apiece. I don't think anybody's catching them. We may have one. Uh, we will certainly may have some new additions next season. Uh, certainly, maybe Skyler could get close. She's in third, third place, I guess, since we have a tie for first with eleven, and then a smattering of others uh, in fourth place. Of course, we have Gus, and he will not earn any more since he is no longer going to appear on the show. But I do like uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I was glad he he appears on the prequel, uh, Better Call Saul. So he he does equally good work there. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that'll that leave us uh, with uh, Walt and Jesse tied atop the MVP rankings with Walt Jr., A.K. Flynn, A.K. Breakfast, bringing up the rear. Zero zilch never. It's a great place to go. We've got a, a tie, you know, a, a tied race heading into the final lap. So we'll see what happens in season five. Very exciting. So we will be back soon with our Breaking Pod episode on season five, episode one, which is called Live Free or Die. It starts a very exciting season. Not a lot of duds in season five. And I'm excited to talk about that. I'm, I'm sure you are as well, Zach. If we missed anything, please let us know. Reach out to us, BreakingPod at VernacularPodcast.com. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Please email us, send an audio message, anything you want. We'd love to discuss it on the show. Until next time, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. Have a good one. <laughs>